welcome to a new episode of Athletics for Life podcast. Uh, in this show, we, we like to delve into education-based athletics and those lessons that we learn through sports. Um, both uh, We interview athletes, we interview coaches, we interview athletic directors, and our guest today is an athletic director from the other side of the world. Yeah, so we're going all the way to Panama in Latin America to talk to Matt McInnes. Um, he worked all over the world. Uh, Matt worked in, he worked in Mexico, Malaysia, the UK, the US, Australia, and now he's been in Panama for four years and he's moving to our side of the world next year as the head uh, of PE, the athletics director and activities director for Dalian American School. And as a lot of guests have mentioned on previous shows, this the time with COVID has been a great time to connect. And uh, Jeff and I were both uh, lucky enough to connect with Matt in some NIAAA courses. Um, during some of the breakout sessions, Matt just reached out and said that, uh, hey, I, I see that you're in Mongolia. I'll be coming there next year. And just from there, we've been able to uh, connect and kind of share a little bit about the challenges we're facing, athletic directing in general, and uh, looking forward to being able to sit down with him on the podcast and pick his brain a little bit. Yes, and Matt has, has done some very cool things for his school in Panama. Uh, he got their their first school in Latin America with the NFHS Level 1 Coaching Distinction. So he puts a lot of emphasis on developing his coaches. Um, and he's very big into the social media presence of the school, uh, of, the, of the philosophy. So there's loads to learn from Matt. Uh, he also has a very interesting structure for his uh, school, where the coaches are kind of the head of their specific sport. So there's loads of things to learn today. And we're very, in, uh, very excited to talk to Matt today. All right, let's go to Matt. Let's go to Matt. Well, to start off, um... You know, we've met, uh, we, we had some courses together, you and Jeff have met, uh, but anyone listening or watching, uh, they don't know who you are. So if you could just spend a, a little bit kind of telling uh, who you are, what you do, where you're at in the world, uh, that'd be great. Sure. Yeah. My name is Matt McInnes. I'm originally from Scotland. Um, I actually watched a couple of your sessions uh, last couple of weeks. And, you know, I want to thank you guys and congratulate you for everything you're doing. And, you know, these are some of the silver linings, I think, of, of the pandemic. But I heard a Scottish voice listening into one of your sessions with, um, I think it was, was it Danny, uh, Danny Clark from one of the yeah. schools in China. Um, so there's, there's two of us. There's at least two Scottish ADs out there. <laughs> Maybe there's more. Um, so I'm originally from Scotland. I'm currently here at um, the International School of Panama in Central America. And I've been overseas since 2008. And so my journey has been a couple of years in KL in Malaysia as a, as a PE teacher. Um, I started out in my home country, Scotland. Prior to that, training as a PE teacher. I coached soccer at a youth academy of a, a pro club. And the, the, the structure in, in Scotland, as, as you know, Jeff, pretty similar to, to Europe is... Um, sports are not really the job of schools, they're the job of clubs. And so it really opened my eyes going overseas to Malaysia um, and seeing, you know, some of the big schools there hosting competitions we would go to. I loved it. Um, and I was young and I thought, this is awesome. I'm going to go somewhere else, do two more years, go somewhere else, do two more years. But I ended up leaving Malaysia for the American School Foundation in Mexico City. Uh, big school, 2,700 kids, uh, super 
um, traditional school, in a, in a positive way, 135 years old now, um, robust athletic program, one of the few schools with an American football program as well, internationally. Um, and I went there as a PE teacher and head of soccer. Um, their soccer program is, is bigger than the middle school, you know, over 500 kids. And you can imagine with Mexico's passion for soccer, that was just a fun job, but so, you know, so intense. Um, and I realized, though, when I was there, if, if I kept just doing two years everywhere, I would never be able to grow. I would just keep bumping around, um, which is fine, you know, if, if that's what you want. But I wanted to grow. I wanted to, you know, I saw these athletic coordinator, athletic director, activity coordinator roles. And um, I was lucky enough to grow there at, at ASF. I ended up staying there seven years. I loved it. Um, I grew to be the athletics coordinator in charge of all the different sports. And I had a, a great mentor there who was the head of, it's such a big school. They have a structure of an athletics coordinator, and then they have an extended learning coordinator, which oversees activities. And then they have a head of both, which is like a principal and all three sit on the senior leadership team. So it's a, a, a big, a big beast they have, um, but great experience learning from Robert, who is the head of athletics and extended learning. Um, and after seven years, um, like many schools in, in this part of the world, there's a limit on how long you can be an overseas hire. And the, the limit was eight years there. And so after year five or six, it's, it's good to start looking and dust off the CV. Um, so I, I landed in Panama 2017. Um, I'm here with my wife. She's from Colombia. We've been here for four years. And, uh, and this is our last year, so we're heading over to your neck of the woods. Um, when we can get there, who knows, with visas and restrictions, but we're moving to uh, Dalian in northeast China, um, hopefully sometime in July. So that's, that's kind of a brief resume of, of what got me to here today. Yeah, we, uh, you just talked about your Scottish background. So Danny Clark, we had him on the podcast. He's the head AD of Acumis, and you will come to our pod next year. Uh, yeah, great. Well, I look good, forward to having another, another <laughs> Scotsman to talk to. <laughs> so what are you doing right now? What's your specific job in, uh, in Panama, uh, Matt? What's your role? Yes. So right now I'm the director of athletics and activities. And here in ISP, that means I, I oversee the PE program. So K to 12, we have seven PE teachers. I also oversee um, the athletics and activities after school program, uh, our lifeguards, our swimming teacher, and we have a coordinator of both athletics and, and after school activities. So I, I supervise uh, 17 full-time people and about in a non-pandemic year, over 30 instructors. But right now, we're, we have 22 coaches at the moment. So we've, we've reduced a little bit um, with the pandemic. Wow. Uh, what are some things that you're kind of doing to prepare uh, to leave Panama and go to China, kind of leaving a school? You've been there for a while and keep everything in place. So it's still, you know, running smoothly after you're gone, but also uh, getting ready to kind of take on a new program. Yeah, I think that that's an area I have a lot of interest in. Um, I do think it's 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 our job to leave things better than we found them, and that's not that's not to be disrespectful to what or who preceded you. Um, but I, I think that's one of our main purposes in schools, especially with so much movement in these international schools. 
Um, so for me, and I, and I also think there's a danger. We talk a lot about our personal philosophies and, uh, and that's great. But I also think that that needs to match the school and that we, we need to be careful that we're not like that teacher that just takes their curriculum and suitcase and off they go to another place, they unpack the suitcase and they do the same thing again. So um, I think that's critical is getting to know your, your surroundings and your culture and the school and, and matching what you can bring to the table with, with what, what the needs of that community specifically might be. Um, so, so specifically to me moving on, I'm, I'm super proud of uh, one of our PE teachers has been promoted into the role. Um, he's a local hire. Uh, he started out as a PE teacher four years ago. He's been our head of tennis, coordinator of tennis for four years. Um, I've worked closely with him. And uh, I'm, I'm, when it got to the interview stages, I actually said to the head of school, get me out of this because I, even the external candidates, I knew pretty well. And so I, I just asked, um, get me out because I, I can't do this fairly. <laughs> and so, so it was nice to not be in those interviews and still to see um, Fernando come out as, as the top candidate. And so the transition has been amazing. Um, just, you know, we've had six months now working together, um, meeting, we have a meeting every week where it's his time. You just ask me whatever we chat about, whatever. Um, so I think, I think a lot of it's setting up structures and setting up, um, a department where, you know, schools are all about people, but the more you can, um, limit the importance of the personnel and have have procedures written, have handbooks that are accurate and have shared responsibilities, then the easier those transitions will be. Sure, yeah, that's definitely. So what I found very interesting about uh, your school in Panama is that you discussed to me the, the different kind of st uh, structure for your athletics program. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, where your coaches become more of the head of sports, right? That specific sport or coaching, is that correct? Yeah, and this this might be a little bit um, nuanced to our setting in Latin America because we, we generally have year-round programs here in, in this part of the world. And so, you know, this this might not work so well in a in a seasonal program, which happen in, in many other parts of the world. Um, but this this was something which ASF in Mexico had, um, and that was my first job, as I said, when I got there, I was, I was the head of soccer. Um, and the structure was just, there's so many benefits to it, that it was something I initiated here in Panama four years ago. And so basically we have seven sports here. They all go year round. Um, we make sure that for the elementary and middle school, kids only practice two days a week in a sport and we match sports up with their interests. So a kid could do, um, for example, basketball and soccer, we make sure they're not on the same days. So you could be a sub-10 basketball player Monday, Wednesday, and a soccer player Tuesday, Thursday, for example. Um, but we, we've developed these coordinators of sport. So for each of those seven sports, we have like a middle leader um, who's in charge of that sport. And so that person I meet with every week or every two weeks, depending on how busy things are in that sport, at that particular time of year. Um, and we, we just talk about what's happening. You know, what are the challenges that are happening in sport? Um, what's coming up? What just happened? How can we evaluate that? And sharing a lot of the, 
the leadership that can be sometimes very lonely for an athletic director, you know, it's, it's daunting if you have 30, 40, 50 staff and, and, you know, you're just, you're trying to manage all that and lead all that. Um, and I think, I think we can do it better if we share that somehow. And so having those coordinators of sport has really helped. They give us guidance on changes for the athletics handbook for the following year. They help lead, um, meetings with parents. They help with a lot of the communication. They help guide their different coaches and their sports. Um, so many advantages to, to the structure. And I've, I've found it holds me more accountable having these meetings every week with all sports. Um, you know what it is? We, ju we just get busy. And if, if I didn't have those meetings, sometimes I would just drop the ball on certain things. So, um, it's a structure I've found success with, and I've, I've found it's helped our coaches um, look outside just the X's and O's. It helps them look at the challenges you face as an athletic director. Um, it helps them see it from your perspective, from the parent's perspective, um, rather than just being so focused on the, the technical side of coaching, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and especially during like now with, you know, everything kind of up in the air, just to have those people you can kind of turn to and like, you know, wring your hands with, and, um, you know, it's, it's tough. I think it's tough just about everywhere. I'm curious though, uh, how has it been for, for you guys in Panama with like COVID shutdowns? You mentioned you, you haven't been in school for a year. Um, what has, what has your role looked like in light of, uh, COVID and stuff? Yeah. Um, so I, I could talk for hours about something that's got nothing to do with athletics. I won't. I'll just, I'll just tell you that about half of my job right now, to be honest, has been safeguarding. So I've been chairing the school's safeguarding committee since January 2020. And that's the group that has been planning re-entry to school. Or in January, it was planning for closing school back in January 2020. And now planning for getting kids back and, you know, preparing classrooms and all of those things. So that that's just been a big professional experience that's different. And hopefully I'll never do it again, but um, good, good leadership experience nonetheless. But in terms of athletics, um, and this is super fresh in my mind because I've, I've actually been writing my um, CMAA, the master's project for the NIAAA. And so there's, as you guys know, you're involved in the program. There's, there's two pathways to doing the master's. You can do a presentation or you can write your project. And I, I wanted to challenge myself and write it because I feel like we're in these, we're always doing what we're doing right now. That's our new life, isn't it? We're in these meetings, we're presenting, we're discussing. So I wanted to challenge myself. And, and my project is keeping the athletics department alive during the pandemic. And so I've just, I'm, I'm near the completion of about 6,000 words um, and I'll, I'll not bore you with all of the details, um, <laughs> but, but it really falls into four categories, the, the project I'm writing and what we've been doing the past 14 months. Uh, one was moving the program virtually. So we actually continued our athletic program and we had kids participating for up to 24 weeks of virtual practices twice weekly which is incredible for one hour. So there's kids who've been online optional at 4 p.m. practicing with their teammates and coach from their houses. And by practice, I mean different things, not, not just physical, not just technical, a lot of that just being connecting and, and uh, being there for each other and seeing their teammates who they don't see 
Um, so that that's a big chunk of what um, we've been doing and what my project is. A second part is, is developing student leadership. We learned very quickly that we missed, we were becoming distant from the kids because we weren't seeing them physically. So I think we had a lot of informal connections on campus, you know, before a game, after a game, in the corridors, you know, going on these trips where you're just together at dinner, breakfast, you know, constantly. And, and we were missing that when we went on online and we, we didn't know if we were serving the kids' needs. And so we were able to move we had a structure with two student council kids who were the athletic reps. We had a male uh, student athlete rep and a female one, but it was just two kids. And so what we were able to do for this school year alongside those two was to set up a larger athletic council, like many schools have with kind of captains or leaders from various sports. And, uh, and that was a group we've been meeting with weekly and they've really helped us. Like one of our challenges was, with the getting kids back on campus for academics, we're only doing mornings on campus and only half of the kids are coming. So when are we going to practice and how are we going to practice? And they helped us figure that out. So we ended up going with a late afternoon, almost like a club practice on campus where parents need to drive them to school. They practice for an hour, parents need to drive them home. So the kids helped us figure that out. Um, so student leadership has been a big part of, of that project. The third one is professional development. We, we took advantage of having coaches with some free time in the evenings and the weekends because there's no games, there's no trips, there's no travel. Um, and we were able to focus on not just building the best virtual program we could, but also um, pursuing the NFHS honor roll um, distinction, which we were able to do. And uh, we're super proud with many of our coaches being mother tongue Spanish speakers to be able to to get those courses completed. And uh, I think we're the second international school in the world and the first in Latin America to achieve that. So really proud of the coaches um, for for committing to that. They wanted to do this. And and that's where coordinators of sports really helped as well. They they made this happen. They supported their coaches and, and everyone wanted to achieve that. And then the final piece has been how do we remain relevant in the community? Um, so between, like many schools, we have social media, we have Instagram, which is the thing here. That's what all the kids check, the, the parents, the alumni. And we have, I think we have about 2,100 followers on our ISP Athletics Instagram account. But we noticed from March to June, we were, we were just fumbling around last year. We, we weren't, obviously there was no games or anything. Um, or highlights, and and it wasn't strategic. It was messy. Sometimes we were just we just didn't post. And so what we did in August, we got together with our coaches, we got together with our athletic council, and we came up with a strategy, um, which we launched August to December. So Monday to Thursday of every week, we we had a theme. So Mondays were motivational Mondays. We would post a an old picture we had with a a motivational quote from, you know, someone in sports or, or outside of sports. Tuesdays, we were um, faces of the program. So we would focus on, you know, a bio of a coach or the most popular one was our equipment manager. You know, he's, he's from the Dominican. He's a popular guy. He's a hardworking guy. And so that one got the most likes and comments. And just, and we wrote a long bio in some of those Tuesday 
um, faces of the program and, and kids read it and kids loved it, commenting and posting photos of some of our coaches back when they were 10 years old and, and playing as kids. Um, Wednesdays, we did the um, NFHS My Reason Why. And so the, the kids helped us gather 30 second videos from their teammates. Why do you play sport to ISP? And Thursdays, we did Throwback Thursdays. So just a recognition of something we had achieved in the past. And what, what was really neat about this, which I think will stay with us, or I hope will with the department, was it, it allowed us to have equity in our social media. So, you know, when you're in soccer season, you might just have soccer dominating your Instagram. And then there's a perception in your community that that's the sport you care about more. And so what we did, we were very strategic that all seven sports would be equally focused on throughout the different weeks and the different days. And we were also focused on having equal representation for our boys teams and our girls teams. And so if you look at August to December 2020 on ISP Athletics Instagram, you'll see that. So, And that's something we could continue with. We could be strategic about that. Um, so that's what we've been up to, and I've been busy typing it all up. And uh, and I would encourage you to, even if it's not for this the CMAA or anything formal, just I find it quite therapeutic, just writing down what we've been doing for the past year. For me, I think personally and professionally is valuable to have. And I, I can imagine looking back on this in 20 years and reading that again and being thankful that I took the time to do that. And also for the school, it's it's good for them to have documentation of this unique period of time and and to see what happened at that time. So I'm, I'm happy I pushed myself to do that. And uh, hopefully it passes. Let's see, I'm, I'm going to send it off pretty soon. <laughs> So you're gonna, you, I, I, so you do the uh, the writing, and you're gonna send it off to the to the NYAAA, right? And they have to get back to you, and then you get an approval. Is that how it works? Yeah, exactly. So there, it's there's a little bit of prerequisite work. So you you need to have achieved um, a certain courses. You need to have completed specific courses. You need to have um, earned the CAA um, prior. And then there's like a personal development form you need to fill in where you've met certain other criteria on a points-based system, you know, linked to professional development and conferences and leadership, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm almost ready to send it off, completing all of that paperwork now and, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. <laughs> I definitely want to read it, uh, Matt. It sounds very interesting. Uh... It's, so it's 46 pages, but I'll forward it to you now that you said that. <laughs> Give me a short summary. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just, to, just to continue on that briefly, um, you're from Scotland. I'm from Holland. So the NYAAA, I found out later on uh, what it was. How has it benefited you from that European kind of perspective in your job as an athletics director? I, I feel it's... Um, the courses are great. So that's the first piece. I, I love the... The courses have, have taught me a lot, and they're, I think they're the best that's out there for um, athletic directors to have best practices to refer to. So that, that professional piece has been great, obviously. Um, but the, the networking piece, I think, has been huge as well. And not only the international piece, you know, meeting guys like yourselves and, and various others all over the world, um, but also the U.S. group as well. And I, I think it is useful for us sometimes to listen in and reference what 
they're doing in the US, although it's very different to what we're doing in these international schools. Um, but I, I do think coming from a British background, um, it's taught me a lot about the educational-based athletics mentality and, and philosophy. Um, and I actually think in the international schools, we're living that um, perhaps better actually than the many schools in the US, which do have a lot more competitive pressures um, or, or pressure from parents perhaps as well that we, we maybe don't get in the same way. Yeah, I just wanted to circle back to uh, something you mentioned earlier. Uh, sorry, I have a little guest here with me. Um, uh, just about your kind of social media presence and not having a strategy. I know it's something Jeff and I have talked kind of off air a few times about, you know, how do you do that in a way that, you know, celebrates your your program, celebrates your kids without bragging, right? Without like, hey, look at us. We won the championship. We won this. Look how awesome we are. Where instead it's just, you know, you're celebrating your program. You're celebrating uh, the successes that you're having. Um, and I think that just based on what you had mentioned about, you know, having Motivational Monday, um, you know, bios on Tuesday, uh, you're able to kind of do that in a way that that is getting your program out there and your, your sports do have equal equity. Um, I'm just curious, do you find uh, yourself in that situation at all where you're, you know, you want, you want to share as much as you can, but at the same time, kind of be humble. You know, that's something that I, that I struggle with, you know, trying to. No, definitely. I, I completely agree. And, and I would go even further. I think, I think there's a fine line sometimes as well with like marketing departments in schools like ours. Now they have a big presence and, and athletics is a, easy thing to sell and some sometimes they want you know they come to you and ask for certain messages or certain achievements and it is it, it's a fine line between um you know walking the walk of sportsmanship and process and educational based athletics so you can you can talk about that but then if your social media is just full of celebrating championships you're not you're not walking the walk you know you're saying one thing but you're doing something else and so that is a big challenge and i think we wrestled with that quite a bit last uh, last year actually when like we were the only school in the country doing anything for athletics when schools were shut down here in panama now i didn't want to celebrate that or talk about that because this this is basically celebrating the you know, other schools who are letting coaches go, other schools whose kids are not able to connect after school. And we didn't want to do that. So we, we kind of did the opposite. We, um, at that point, we had an asynchronous program for our elementary school. So it was coaches recording videos, and then the kids would do those videos at home. So we actually posted all of those videos um, publicly on our website. And we, we shared them with other schools in the country and said, you know, feel free to share these with your kids if they want to um, try soccer at home or, or whatever it might be, or chess or ballet or gymnastics um, with some public schools as well. And for some of them, that might be a learning English tool because some of our coaches were, were talking in English for them. Some of them were talking in Spanish. So we, th that was kind of where we got to with, with some of that, but specifically with social media is, it is challenging um, and we, we've always tried to be very gracious in defeat as well. So 
you know, if we lose a semi-final, we always try and, and get on there and post and wish the other team all the best in the final and be, you know, even if they don't do the same, it's, it's nice to, to try and just keep your head up high and model the kind of behaviors we're trying to teach our kids. Um, so, yeah, but I am uncomfortable with that. And I do think our schools are becoming, as there's more and more competition, marketing is becoming more and more of a thing in these schools. And, and it just doesn't feel right sometimes the way that um, we're marketing versus what we're trying to teach our kids. Circling back a little bit again, <laughs> um, I just want to, I can read a lot about your philosophy from our talk right now. Can you talk a little bit more about what you believe in as the athletics director? Um, what are your, for example, three non-negotiables that we always discuss in those NYAAA courses? Can you talk a little bit more about what you believe in and what you stand for? Yeah, sure. And I, I would say that sportsmanship is something I'm, I'm a big fan of, and I'm a, a big fan of kids doing the right thing, coaches doing the right thing, and parents doing the right thing. And so um, I always try and not to preach um, to those, those different stakeholder groups, but to hold really high expectations there, that this is, this is who we are and this is how we behave and being, being very specific about that. Um, I love to do a, a meeting before every trip that we have, a meeting for kids and parents and the coaches are there and we talk about all of these, these different pieces. So sportsmanship is, is really big for me um, in the arena and out of the arena. Um, so for, for me, that is something I'm, it will, some, it will get me mad. You know, I, I, will, I will always prioritize behavior and, and character from our stakeholder groups over everything else. And, and I'll tell the coaches um, when we're hiring coaches, and many of our coaches are from outside here in, here in Panama. We have about 50% teacher coaches and 50% who are like club or federation coaches who who um, have a lot of technical expertise and they, they're on board with us. Um, but I'll tell them, you know, you, you might lose your job because of your behavior, mm -hmm. but you, you will not lose your job for losing a game. Yeah. And that, that I'm a hundred percent behind that. And, and we'll tell parents as well. And we'll tell kids before we travel. For me, the winning piece, sometimes we look at sportsmanship and winning as, as not being, as being an either or, you know, that you can either be super competitive and you're winning everything, or you can be the nice guys who are coming last and you get the sportsmanship trophy, you know, and I, I don't see it that way. Um, I do feel that when you're, when you're winning really easily, when you're winning really comfortably, um, your sportsmanship isn't tested and it's easy to be a good sport when you're winning comfortably. It's also easy to be a good sport when you're losing comfortably, but, but when you're in a super competitive game or competition, that's when we really find out about sportsmanship. Um, but for me, the, the winning piece is all about the focus being on process. And I, I always try and work with coaches on the processes where we need to focus. Are we, are we doing things right? Are we developing the skills, the tactics, the, the physical conditioning. Um, and the, the winning is a byproduct of, of doing things right, or it's not a byproduct. Um, you know, it's not something you control. And so I, I do think in Latin America, there's often a big focus on the outcome. Um, and I believe, I believe where you guys are, it's pretty similar as well in, in local communities where you're judged on the outcome rather than on the process. 
Um, and so we'll, we'll make that very clear with kids and with parents before we travel. Um, tennis, for example, is a sport. It's not very competitive here in Panama. So we have kids who are top five, top 10 national rank and they're for their age level, but they're not very competitive. And so, you know, if they were in many other countries, even in Central America, they wouldn't be in the top 20, 30, 40. So we, we struggle competitively when we travel with tennis. And, and I'm just using that as an example. We have a, a good program and a great coach there. Um, but we talk a lot about reaching your potential and, and that process being the priority. And so for me, if a team plays really well and they've done their best, but we lose, I'm, I'm happy and I'm okay with that. But if we have a team that are, that are really, really strong, and they win the game comfortably, but they didn't play to their potential, then I'm unhappy with that group. And so it, the outcome is kind of that, that non-controllable piece and it's secondary, but that process being on the, the focus being on the process um, really, really can be big. And, and I think if kids buy into that and understand that, it takes some stress away from them as well. And coaches too, if they know that they're not being judged on the outcome, but they're being judged on every day in the process, um, it makes it makes everything clearer for everyone. So I've I've kind of rambled on there. I haven't really answered your question, but I, no, you I did. feel you did. I feel sportsmanship and process are kind of the big two. If if I had to summarize yeah. it in that way, it's actually very similar to sorry, city. Actually, very Go similar ahead. to Mongolia because that's actually the reason why we started this this podcast, right? For kids, parents, other people to watch this and that they see someone from Panama, like oh, it's it's similar over there, right? So that's the one, one reason why we started this podcast to just share that. Um, to connect that, you just mentioned that you've got the level uh, level one coaching uh, des- distinction from NFHS. Uh, how has that benefited your coaches in the school climate on, uh, on, on your philosophy part? Yeah, so a couple of pieces to this. I I believe it's it's our duty to make sure that Everyone in our communities as schools are learning. And I think that's that's not just a catchphrase, but I think it's not something unique to kids. Um, I think teachers should always be learning. Uh, athletic administrators, we should be learning. Administrators should and coaches should. And so, you know, the courses are, are huge courses. You know, it's fundamentals of coaching and that's like a 10 to 15 hour course. It's really good. I learned a lot from it, just bringing me back to some of the sports science and things as well that I'd forgotten over time, you know, when you're not in the, on the field every day. Um, and then, you know, cardiac arrest, child protection and concussion. These are things every coach needs and, and you hope you don't need it, but the day you do, you'll be glad that you've got that. Um, and so I always try and incorporate professional development every year with coaches. And I've always been advocating with my supervisors for funding for that, that athletic departments should have funding to support professional development of their coaches. Um, we expect a lot of them. We expect these coaches who come in, um, who are not teachers in the school, we just expect them to understand who we are as a school, what our philosophy is. Um, and, and you don't get that for free. You have to invest time in them and you have to invest money in them as well. And so that, that's one thing here at ISP, I've been fortunate. We've, we've had a budget for that. Um, I've been able to send 
soccer coaches down to Argentina to conferences, basketball coaches to uh, Las Vegas, um, to a, a course, not to the casino. <laughs> um, so we've we've had funding for that, which has been great. And locally, it's been it's been virtual, of course, the last year or so. And so we saw that as an opportunity to to go and pursue that. And I think it gives schools a bit of legitimacy when you've got coaches who are certified. And it's something we ask of our teachers. You know, I don't think there are many international schools out there now that would say, we'll hire this teacher just because they're they're good at math and they've got some interest. Um, they're looking for people who are certified. And why are we not doing that with our coaches as well? Because our kids, some of our kids spend more time with the coaches than they do any other adult. You know, they might be together two hour sessions, five days a week, and their parents might not be around so much at home and they're, they're not seeing any of their teachers that much either. So there's a big level of responsibility on coaches and I'm a, I'm a big believer. We need to prepare them for that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I'm thinking about, you know, how would I implement something similar here? Cause we, like my schools, we have, I think there's three of us in the athletic department, you know, myself and uh, two other guys. And we, we coach everything, you know, so it, for us this year's kind of been a blessing in disguise in that aspect, because, you know, we, we didn't have to figure out, okay, who's going to take half of the basketball teams and who's going to take half of the football teams. Um, but I think for, for someone like me, I definitely have an advantage to, uh, in that regard that I have a small core, right. That I can, right. I can work with and I can say, okay, let's do this. Let's do, uh, the NFHS. Um, if you guys are interested, you know, check out the NIAAA for, you know, when you move on or when I move on. Um, if you do ever have that opportunity to be an athletic director role, um, it's definitely important to keep learning. Um, what yeah, are plans? I'm thinking the same with, uh, sorry to jump in there. Just, it, it's a great opportunity having a small group, um, because it's cheaper as well for the school, the less people who you're paying the course fees for, <laughs> obviously the more affordable that is. And, and that was part of our thinking as well. We, we normally would have 40 plus coaches in any given year. So getting 90% of those through the courses is more challenging than getting 22 coaches through, which is what we currently have. So that, that actually was part of our thinking that now is the time to pursue it because we, we have less people and they've got more time. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely something you, you could pursue. And I'm, I'm thinking of that for Dalian as well. Could there be a way where maybe, maybe coaches get a whole season to get it done? You know, you don't need to rush it in a week. Um, and these, you know, it's about 20 hours total, these four courses combined. So, um, you know, if you, if you bite away at it little by little, it's, it's manageable. Is this mandatory for all your coaches, uh, Matt, to do? Do you say it's mandatory? Well, this this time it was. We um, we got together and we discussed as soon as we knew about the honor roll. Um, we got together as a large group and we said, "Would we like to do this?" Um, and and people were passionate about it. And most of them didn't even need a reminder. You know, you know, you have to constantly remind coaches of, "Hey, the awards ceremony is coming up. We need your award winners." Um, but yeah, I think there was a couple. Um, that we had to chase, but most of them were on it the first week or two that we even got them signed up. So yeah, they were, they had the passion for it. 
Yeah, for here too. I think it's very important because we have a small program compared to your program. So just to sit down together with coaches and, and students, just to have a chat, right? That's already a great start right. just to share that philosophy. Don't expect anything. Just talk with each other. Um, so I'm lucky that I got a little budget now to get at least some training from NFHS. So this is definitely something I would like to pursue in the future uh, if there's a bit more funding available for us. But small steps, right? So just getting there right. and sit and yeah. talk. That's a, that's a great start. And that's actually something that I learned from all these people, uh, NIAAA courses, talking to you and all the other, you know, those kind of structures that really help to get your program to the next level. Yeah, definitely. And I think when you ask, um, so we had the idea, we were talking about it, but we were in the middle of a pandemic. And of course, mm. Schools are making cuts, and I was going to go and ask for money to to spend on this non-necessary thing, you know. And so, but when I took it to our director of finance and the head of school, they were completely behind it straight away. And and I think that's that's where you can use some of the marketing things to your advantage in a in a positive way. Where like, do we want to be the second international school in the world to get this? Do we want right. to be the first school in Latin America to get this? So they're all over that and they, they want to go and fly that flag and celebrate, <laughs> which is great. They're celebrating our coaches learning and, uh, and that's something that will continue. So uh, I think you'd be surprised sometimes um, all you can do is ask and, and all people can do is, is turn you down and say no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, uh, we, we, we know the, 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 the job of AD is very busy athletics director, activities director. What are some things that you are doing to, uh, keep your life in balance with work, personal life, uh, some things that you do to stay fit and healthy. Can you share that with us? Yeah, and I think I think we're workaholics, many of us. <laughs> and so this is hard. So, so I, I think part of it for me right now, this past year has been taking on other projects and keeping busy. So I think I've still been working just as hard, even though there's there's no games, there's no weekend stuff, there's no trips going on. Um, but I like to just get time with my wife, time together, quality time, um, cooking, you know, reading. I love to just sit and read and, and going for walks, um, keeping healthy, going for runs in the morning or the, at the sunset. Um, the weather here is just so humid. So I, I think when I, when I exercise here, I have to plan like an hour afterwards just to stop sweating because if you, if you work out here and then you shower, you're still sweating for about 30 minutes after that shower. Um, so yeah, just, just finding that balance is critical. And I, I think the, the pandemic has taught us a lot about finding balance between work and life and, and appreciating some of the, the small things in life. Um, and, and I wonder when we, when we emerge from this, will we ever go back to how busy and hectic we were right before this? And, and I think this is true of our, our parents as well, we're, you know, there was business people flying all over the world and now they're at home cooking, you know, and they're, they're there for their family. And so I think there are some positive pieces that, that have come out with this in the past year. Yeah, we'll be better in Dalian in the running in the morning. I think it's a bit drier up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if it's anything <laughs> like here. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's super dry and cold in the winter, um, but I think it gets, it gets quite humid in the summer and so okay. it, it's supposed to be a little bit humid in the summer yeah uh that's great uh we're nearing the end of our uh of our time that we we don't want to take up too much of your evening we know it's evening there in panama um 
Do you have any tips for maybe upcoming ADs or younger guys that are just getting started, or maybe they um, they they might be going into this role next year? Uh, what tips do you have for newer ADs that are just trying to trying to find their way? Yeah, I think, um, and this this is not even just for new people to the profession, but just when you're new anywhere. So I'm I'm telling myself this for Dalian is to kind of look, listen, and learn before you have too many opinions on leading. And that's really hard because we have these first impressions. And I think we have to listen to those first impressions as well, because they do tell you something and they are important. But just learning where you are, the landscape, the culture, and the school is huge. Um, and, and for people new to the profession, I would, I would say to try and depersonalize a lot of the work. And uh, what I mean by that is people get very emotional about athletics. And so we'll have parents, as you've seen, um, in the heat of the moment, perhaps, or, or not in the heat of the moment, but they might go home and write down an email. Um, and to not take that personally can, can really, it's easier said than done. But, but what's helped me do that over the years, I think, is one, just having the confidence to not take it personally and uh, and secondly, making sure that you've got written procedures that support you. So instead of it being Matt deciding this, it's the athletics handbook tells us that we're only able to travel with 20 players on the soccer team when we go on the international trip. So it's it's not Matt making this decision. It's the athletic director being guided by the athletic handbook. And, and when you can depersonalize and refer to written documents, um, that can support things a lot. And, and I think many of us are quite, quite stubborn as well. I think athletic directors, I think we, we can be quite strong willed. And uh, I think some of that does come with ego and sport and competition, but just trying to remove that at times and being able to listen and see things from, from those other perspectives. Um, and that, that, again, I think is something we've learned from the pandemic. I think empathy has been a big theme for, for everyone throughout this time. It's just, just trying to see where someone else is coming from and what they're going through. Um, so, so for me, that, that's something I've been working a lot on over the years. And, uh, and I think for young people or new people to the profession, that can be that can be good to try and keep up your sleeve, to just try and listen and get some perspective before you you maybe bite back with a comment, even if you know you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's a great tip, actually, because, you know, it's it's not only that. I think also it's, you know, connecting with people. And that's sometimes it's a very lonely job, right? <laughs> you make all these yeah. decisions and people are already emailing you and think having that common understanding of a, of, a, of a philosophy, not only here in Mongolia, but, you know, there's someone else in Panama who, who believes the same. So I think that's very valuable. Um, I found the NYAAA has done that for me. And I think maybe for you too, that connection with other people all over the world. So thank you for that tip, uh, Matt. That's really valuable. No, that's that's been huge, Jeff. And and again, like the reason we're here right now is is because the pandemic has forced us to collaborate, that we figured out the world's a small place. And so I think the past year I've connected more with athletic directors in other countries than any time prior. And I, I'm thankful for that. And I feel like I have a group I can go to with an issue to get um, a different perspective on something and as well internally. And I've got these coordinators of sport who 
who I can share a lot of responsibilities and a lot of decision-making with. So it's, you know, you're not in that silo, you're able to have a meeting and you can then play the devil's advocate and kind of argue with yourself and, and have someone else argue that back to you. And you think, okay, that's what I was thinking originally, but I needed to hear it from someone else. And so you're right. It's a lonely job. Um, and, and there's not many people in your school who understand it, you know, heads of school principals, unless they've been in the role, it's, it's a very different, very unique position. And so, yeah, having those structures, um, if you have them in your school, in your department, or, or having those contacts around the city, country, or the world now is, is huge, super helpful. Yeah, so uh, we want to thank you so much for your time to, uh, today, Matt. And I hope, fingers crossed, that we can uh, welcome you face-to-face in, <laughs> in Acumis in Dalian next year. Yeah. Uh, we actually have the Acumis conference uh, soon uh, where we're going to meet. So I uh, hope, hope we can meet you in person next year. That would be great. Uh, thanks so much for your time today. No, thank you, Jeff and CD, for, for hosting. It's been a, a great conversation. And, and thank you for setting up Athletics for Life and, and getting this platform going. And um, I'll definitely tune in. And I see you're now in Apple Podcasts as well. So I'll, I'll definitely yep. download it on my phone now too. For sure. No, thanks again, Matt. It's been great. Much appreciated. Great to see you guys. Take care. Thank Have you. a good day. Thank yeah. you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right, so we just sat down with Matt McInnes, um, athletic director in Panama. Shortly, he'll be moving, well, hopefully moving to our neck of the woods in uh, northeastern China. And uh, I thought the interview was great. You know, it's it's easy to interview guys like Matt, um, guys that are just willing to share so much and uh, kind of share the same philosophies that we do too, right? Like it's about the process. It's about uh, doing the right thing. Um, it made me think of one of our Acumis trips. We took a group down um to china and we were playing in a tournament and it was close like it, it was you could see that it was probably going to be a, a three-way tie for third and in one of the games we ended up losing uh and right at the end the other team made a basket so instead of losing by two we lost by four but on the scorecard on the overall score sheet they didn't mark that down mm. And both me and another athletic director from, from that school, we were talking and, and we both knew that that was potentially going to be the de- deciding factor, right? It could be. We didn't know if it would. There was still another round to play, uh, but chances are like it could be important. And so, you know, I could have just been like, nah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like that's what they got, I guess. But I knew the score was we lost by four. Our coach knew we lost by four. Our players knew we lost by four. Everyone knew we lost by four, except they got it wrong on the scorebook. So I said, yeah, yeah, change it. We, we both agree like that's the wrong score. Put the right score up there. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the tournament, that ended up being the deciding factor or one of them, right? We had a three-way tie for third. Um, and we were, when you combine the points, we lost the tiebreaker by a point, by a single point. So had we had two extra points, we would have won the tiebreaker. Uh, and so instead of making it to the semifinals, the top four made it to the semifinals, we were ultimately the fifth place team. And so we played for fifth and sixth. And so even though it can be hard and the, the goal is definitely to win, uh, it's important to do the right thing. you know. And, and some of my girls were kind of upset at the time, uh, but my coach, you know, she obviously wanted to win. She wanted to make the semis, maybe have a chance doing more. Uh, but she came up to me afterwards and just like thanked me for, you know, doing the right thing, 
mm. and showing our girls that it's it's not we're not going to cheat to try to win. If we're going to win, we're going to do it because we're better and because we deserve to win, not because someone else made a mistake. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've, I've, that's you know the sportsmanship. That was the what the the thing that he mentioned, right? As his non-negotiable. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. You know that connects really well with us. Um, I how he structures his programs. He tries to not only he he learns and and you know tries to improve himself, but he improves other people constantly. The coaches. He gives them a lot of ownership of their programs. Um, you know, the NFHS is great. NYAAA is great to learn, uh, but you got to implement it. You got to do it. You got to get out there and share that philosophy. Um, something we're doing on our podcast right now, right? So it's great to see how he structures it. Um, very passionate about what he does. He shares, you know, he, uh, he he knows his stuff. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, structures, again, systems. We've talked about that before with many of our guests. Something that Matt has total control over. He knows exactly what's going on, when it's going on. And he has time, actually, again, to go back to Dr. Richard Young. He has space to do, uh, to do other things, right? You know, he's b- busy with his uh, CMAA uh, certification, which is a lot of work, a lot of work, uh, especially being from Europe, uh, having a different philosophy. You have to transition into that. You have to do a lot of the US-based courses, which is not easy. So, uh, you know, a lot of, um, you know, discipline. Uh, that's great. He shared that. Uh, so yeah, loads to learn from this interview with Matt. Thank you, Matt, for being here today. Uh, it was a pleasure. Yeah, and to anyone listening or watching, uh, as Matt mentioned, we're now on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> uh, we should be up on Google and Spotify as well. So if you'd prefer to to listen on one of those, uh, look for us there. And whatever platform you're on, whether you're watching us on YouTube or uh, listening on podcasts, just give us either a thumbs up or a, a review. That'll help out a ton. And if there's any guests you would like to see, if there's any topics you would like us to know to cover, uh, you know, email us. Uh, just put a little comment below our our podcast interviews, and just get in contact with us. Uh, it's all about sharing. It's all about learning from each other, and uh, that's why we do what what we do in our podcast. So again, thank you, Matt, for sharing your story and your expertise with us today. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you on, um, and we look forward to see you at our new podcast next podcast. Take care. See you then. Bye-bye.